We're about surprise. Forty minutes in. Um, <laughs> Been recording since I walked in. Uh, Thirty minutes ago. Yep. Yep. You've said some pretty <laughs> interesting things. Very colorful language mm-hmm. from uh, me. Colorful is an understatement. It's aggressive. I would say it was. Uh, ver- yeah. Oh my God, Morky! I thought she vomited. How dare you? Did she, we don't use that kind of language in this house. Okay. Yeah, you little fucker. Yeah. Say that instead if you want to say that. That's much nicer. Oh woof. Who the fuck says woof in this house? Woof. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> woof. And I got buff. <laughs> if you want to hear um, Tony say woof on the podcast, he says it every single time. Listen to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. <laughs> oh my god, you knew we were recording. Oh, did we? Oh, you were oh. talking about Tony. Like, like people know who Tony is. Who's Tony? I don't know. <laughs> What happened? I don't have enough red wine. Here, Marky. Because of Tony. <gasps> Here, Marky. Who's she barking at? I don't know, me. <laughs> Stop being a dumbass. She's like, I heard what you said. <laughs> it's you like, been saying bitch all night. <laughs> and that's, I mean, because she's a bitch. Oh. Um, she's a female dog. So you've been caught. Don't lick me. <laughs> don't, don't lick me. Don't lick me, bitch. Oh, Morky, say hello to everyone. Welcome to our Spoopy Podcast. <laughs> she said it. Too. Welcome to our Spoopy Podcast. <laughs> oh, she said that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Let me put my face behind her and then say it. Okay. Welcome to our Spoopy Podcast. <laughs> Is that the Morky talks. voice? Yeah. Welcome to our Spoopy Podcast. <laughs> she sounds like a wet mop. <laughs> well, no, she actually is. Or a Muppet. The way she barks and the way she walks is like a, a very. Uh, <clears throat> handsome woman so i think it'd be a little bit more gruff okay maybe a little southern hey there welcome to our spoopy podcast <laughs> it's want, me morky want to unload some timber <laughs> what's that Take that's from house bunny isn't that I, yes it is i love that movie mm-hmm. it's classic except the all-american rejects in there are not great uh they're not actors but that's true actors uh i don't remember really watching that movie who plays the house bunny um, what's her name? The one who was married to Chris Pratt. Anna, Anna Ferris, Ferris. That one. I was like, Anna something. She's a funny woman. Yeah, she is. Very mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. That's why I loved her and Chris Pratt together. Why does Chris Pratt have to get fit and sexy and Republican all of a sudden and then have to like go do shit? Anna Ferris was like, I did not sign up for this. I No. I signed up for a fat little chubby boy <laughs> who was funny. So like... Don't get all sexy and shit, and then you can go do whatever the fuck you want to, or whoever the fuck you. He's dating the the Schwarzenegger. Or, uh, no, I think he's getting married to Schwarzenegger's daughter. Ew. Yeah, she must be so big. <laughs> <laughs> she mu- muscles are not genetic. <laughs> I mean, except his. Oh, they're just like you were born as my child. I want. You, I want to you see have muscle. A skinny short woman named. Something Schwarzenegger. Candy Schwarzenegger. <laughs> just be like, she sounds like a tank. <laughs> She's already a military grade. <laughs> and then she walks in and I'm like, no, no, no. This no, is what you. I ordered. Uh, uh, turn around. Walk out the door. Go get Big Bertha from the back and rename her. So now go. Walk out the door. Oh, no. Oh, no. Turn around now. Because you're not welcome Uh-oh. anymore. Hey, Chris, did you have a good Thanksgiving? It hasn't happened yet. Yes, it has. Today is Sunday. Oh. 
because we're recording before Thanksgiving to yeah. be released after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, yes, we carved the turkey and ate lots of mashed potatoes. I love that. It was grand. There's a white people tweet that just came out yesterday that I really love. Um, it said, the gist of it is, this year for Thanksgiving, before all of my family comes, I'm changing my Wi-Fi passcode to impeach45. Oh, I love that. So, <laughs> so then they have to put it in their phones. If they want their precious Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. <laughs> they, they said, have to... my delicious Wi-Fi. Oh, that's perfect. Like, mm. Perfect description. This is the best flavor. Mmm, <laughs> Republican tears. <laughs> <laughs> All these flavors, and they chose to be salty. They chose to be Republican. Yeah. That's a nasty flavor. Oh. Mm. Um, you want to talk about some spooky stuff? Let's go ahead and do it, because I have six pages. I got five. Woo! Welcome to It's 11 o'clock. It's... Oh, <laughs> when you mean tonight. I was like, it's literally 7.45, which is earlier than we normally record, so... No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> narrator it was <laughs> <laughs> little did they know it most certainly was <laughs> little did spencer know um okay well we're continuing on with our month even though this will be released on sunday which is december 1st so maybe we shouldn't have done this theme well whatever too late now um done mine's my still somewhat american but it doesn't matter anyway because we could always do stuff from other Because countries. this is our podcast. And not yours. Uh. It's my podcast and not Chris's. Uh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Have I been fired yet? Yep. <laughs> Might as well get fired from both things that I'm a part of. <laughs> you weren't getting fired. You're quitting. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's different. <laughs> Nobody tell anybody no, about that. No one listening. No one's listening. Ingeborg, if you're listening, run. <laughs> <laughs> She's like... She just listens for room noise. Yeah, she just puts it on for the cats when she leaves. The the cackling noises in the background. Cats are just like, "Ah!" (laughs) the fuck? There's too many gay people. Well, speaking of gay things, let's bring it to my stop. (laughs) Classic classic TikTok. Um. Let's bring it to my story because we have some gay themes. Gay themes in, in this uh, as well. Oh, I love a gay um, theme. So we're going to take a jaunt over the pond. We're gonna traipse, traipse. across the water. Yeah, because I was like, okay, so I've done the African continent now. You've done the Asian continent. I did uh, Germany, and then uh, you did mermaids, and then I did Japan. So I was like, um, well, I no should have done anything. South America. Oh yeah. No one said anything about Australia yet, so I was like... Australia? What's going on there? What's, Nothing what's bad, because they don't have rabies. They don't have... Or uh, cockroaches? Um, well, they got plenty of spiders and uh, snakes and ants and they uh, don't jellyfish. Have, they don't have squirrels. No, they don't. They don't have raccoons either. So, like, they the have squirrels best and raccoons best little robbers, and, and they don't have them. Did you know that? Yeah, I think you told me that. American went to a, a Sydney Zoo, and they, like, took a picture of a raccoon, and like... Why is this? Look at this little panda. It's so small. Why is this in the zoo? Because like you can see one it's in an downtown Houston. <laughs> Let me take you to my backyard. It's like, whoa, zoo, zoo animals, amazing. And that's people in South Africa are like, there's a fucking giraffe. Yep. <laughs> so why do you why have do that? Why do you have zoos? that? 
A rhinoceros? <laughs> I mean, okay. That's our roadkill. <laughs> a, yeah, rhinoceros. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> run it over with the tank. <laughs> and the tank is like destroyed. Uh, probably. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to. Go we ahead. don't uh, support hurting animals. Oh, definitely. Save the rhinos. Peter. Hashtag save the rhinos. There's a. Um, I think there's the Rhino Project on Instagram. Go donate to the Rhino Project. Wait, let me check. Because I want to know. Uh, because I took a trip down to South Africa, and the rhinos are one of the most endangered species in the world. Um, rhino. Because they want their horns. Yeah. For the... sex. So the. Rhino horns are supposedly... An aphrodisiac. Yeah, an aphrodisiac, and also like used in a lot of traditional Chinese medicines and whatnot. And so it's sold on the black market for a pretty penny. Uh, but one in reality... One million dollars. One million dollars. Um, but in reality, your fingernails are the same material as what is um, in rhino horns. So if you really want to get into some trouble, get a bunch of fingernails and toenails together, grind them up into dust... Um, and then try and sell that on the black market because it's the exact same thing. Um, hmm. Did you know? <laughs> and also, <clears throat> oh my goodness, <clears throat> allergies are terrible. Um, excuse all of that. <laughs> um, wow, I didn't know I brought some fucking disease into the house. <laughs> I'm not. I knew there. I knew, I knew you were diseased to start with, but I didn't know you had a disease. Also. Yeah, there's two different things. Um, yeah, so the rhino horn, so now, now you got me on a spiel about rhinos. This is not even related. Uh, but. Well, then circle back, girl. Circle, circle we're going to tie it back. Um, I just, now I'm on a, a pedestal for a second. Um, my soapbox. So, what was I saying? <laughs> Something about rhinos. Save the rhinos. Uh, we love rhinos. Um, the end. Cool. Okay. Um, so let's go back to Australia. <laughs> Australia does not have rhinos. Um, so. We are going to go ahead and hop over to a town called Snowtown. I love Snowtown. Have you ever heard of it? Isn't that in Harvest Moon? Mm. Which one? Whichever one you were thinking. I wasn't thinking that, but... Okay. (laughs) Because I'm not gay. Snow... Oh. Oh. (laughs) Honey. Honey. Hold on, I got a mirror. (laughs) Let me see if there's any rainbows. Whoa! <laughs> Just full on. Shit. I prepared for this joke. I are you? I'm so I'm prepared oh for this joke. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, oh, the buildup. <clears throat> Killing me. Why do you have so many maracas? Oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the rainbow. Did you steal that from me? Um, I don't think so, but I have two. Oh, perfect. We've got fans today for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Snowtown is a town that is about 145 kilometers north, uh, no, north of Adelaide, uh, in, uh, South Australia. Um, oh, I'm gonna say that later. Anyways, okay, so we're gonna be talking about the Snowtown murders, which is one of the most prolific, um, instances of serial killers in Australia to this date, um, which I read that and I was like, wow. If this is the most prolific, why are we even a country? U.S. Like, we, oh. we have this. This happens like every, every day. day. Like, drastic. Whatever. Um, so we're gonna get into the it. worst crime in Australian history. Yeah, exactly. The stealing of gum. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the people are just like. <gasps> they were just like. Is anyone gonna help her? <laughs> <laughs> is 
help her? No. Um, so the Snowtown murders, also known as the Bodies in Barrels murders, uh, were the murders of 12 people in South Australia, Australia, between August of 1992 and May of 1999. The crimes were uncovered when the remains of eight victims were found in barrels of acid located in a rented former bank uh, building in Snowtown, South Australia, on May 20th of 1999. The town... Where, whereabouts is this? Adelaide is in the middle of the country. Hold on, let me pull it up on my Google. Hello, Kennedy. And Snowtown, I imagine, is not on the coast? It is not. It is north, 145 kilometers north, so we're looking at about 120 miles. What? Is that right? Did I do that math right? In no, the fucking 90 miles. middle of the desert? Um, yeah. Snowtown. What are you doing, Kennedy? Until I'm trying oh. to get him to move. <laughs> get! Oh, it is kind of close to the coast. Ah! <laughs> That's the that. wrong way. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is Australia down in the like little like loop part down there, the little loopy loop. Um, and so that's Adelaide, and then that Snowtown is that red dot. Oh, okay. It's not in the <clears> desert <throat> at all. It's almost on the coast. Yeah. So I mean, basically everything that is around here is not desert, and everything that's inside of that is desert. So basically, anything that's on the coast is not desert. <laughs> Still could be a fire, though. Yeah. I mean, that's what's happening in Sydney right now. And Sydney was very much like a... Cindy? Cindy was very much like a um, rainforest whenever I went. I was going to say Haven. Hey, well, hey, hey. All I heard was hey, and I was like, what? Oh, I was just saying hi. I'm 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 still here. here. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. I've just gone blind for about five seconds. (laughs) Too Too many nickels in my stomach. I mean, they're so delicious. <laughs> and that Thomas Jefferson, is he on the nickel? I don't know. I haven't had a nickel in. Okay, Google. Who's on the nickel? According to Wikipedia, a nickel in American usage is a five-cent coin struck by the United States Mint. Composed of 75% mm. copper and 25% nickel, the piece has been issued since... I love how they're getting to the point. Its diameter is 0.835 inches and its thickness is 0.077 inches. Wow. I just, we didn't get our answer. That's the information I needed. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. Who is on the nickel? President Thomas Jefferson. Oh, oh bitch! She's seen money before. Okay, stop. <laughs> well, you were right. I'm, I'm impressed. Do you know what's on the uh, back of the Canadian nickel? The queen? No, that's on the front. Oh. Well, I guess there's not really a front on the back. It's a beaver. Oh. We have a lot of animals. That's a weird president. I mean, he was good. <laughs> president Beaver. Just built all that those dams. Like lesbians voted for that. Oh, my God. I was teaching fourth graders to read. And was lesbian in there? <laughs> Hi, I'm lesbian. I want to no. be a lesbian. Have you seen that? No. <laughs> that video where they're like, uh, what starts with L and ends with Ian? And one girl goes, lesbian. <laughs> and they're like, what's a lesbian? It's really funny. <laughs> I love lesbians. <laughs> well, I asked these girls some question about what, what animal did you like in the book that we were reading? And they said, Bieber. And I was like, what it's the just hell is a beaver? And they were like, you know, a beaver. And I was like, oh my god. And they're in fourth grade. Beaver is. I don't know what a yeah. beaver. And so then I kept 
kept going, and I was like, I don't know what this is. And like, the only Bieber I know of is Justin Bieber, and they thought it was the you most hilarious down, thing yeah. in the world. And so then we kept going, and then later they were like, they saw a book, and there was a Bieber, and they were like, this, it's a Bieber. And I was like, well, you, you children. children. That's a Bieber. You can say it like I say it. Dumbass little fuckers. <laughs> well, and I was also like, okay, whatever you're telling me to spell, spell it. Yeah. And they still spelled B-E-B-E-R. Wow. <laughs> like, okay, they, they how honestly, are we all on the wrong page yeah, here? Every, everyone, <laughs> including the people that are talking about it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. So tell me about Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah. Um, Australia. <laughs> so <laughs> I literally made it half a sentence in. Yay! The, the Snowtown murders, also known as the Bodies and Barrel murders, were the murders of 12 people in South... Oh, I already said that. So I made it further than that. Okay, good. Um, the crimes were uncovered when the remains of eight victims were found in barrels of acid located in, the, uh, in a rented former bank building in Snowtown, South Australia, on May 20th, 1999. I said that already, too. A town of, the town of Snowtown is in the mid-north of South Australia, 145 kilometers north of Adelaide. Uh, though Snowtown... So that's only 90 miles. That's not crazy. It's like driving from here to college. No, college is not that far. Um, I think it's 130 miles from here to the lake house. So probably from here to Wood, no, Livingston. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, um, so though Snowtown is frequently linked with the crimes, the bodies that with the bodies had been held in a series of locations around Adelaide for some time and were moved to Snowtown in early 1999, very late in the crime spree that had spanned several years. Uh, only one victim was actually killed in Snowtown. Uh, none of the victims or the perpetrators were from that town. Eight bodies were found in plastic barrels in the uh, disused bank vault of uh, on 19, uh, May 20th of 1999. Uh, three days later, two bodies were found buried in a backyard in Salisbury North, a suburb of Adelaide. By the end of June, nine of the ten victims had been identified. The discoveries followed a link. The discoveries followed a lengthy covert criminal investigation by South Australian police. Uh, this investigation apparently went on for like five years before they actually caught anyone, which is like, what the fuck? <laughs> what exactly were you guys doing? Yeah, um, especially like when I get into this explanation, like how did none of them snitch? Like how many Vegemite breaks were you guys taking? Yeah, sitting over here eating nasty Vegemite. Stuff fucked up. If you guys have not had it, order on Amazon, eat one bit of it, and then throw the rest of it away. You can get Marmite at HEB. I don't think you can get Marmite at HEB. Similar. Yeah. Still is gross. That's so good. <laughs> so good. Um, to dip an entire fry in it. Yeah. During it, just. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even dip an entire fry in my Vegemite. I literally just like rubbed it on the surface and still ate it. And I was like. This is disgusting. I put the thinnest layer on a piece of toast, and I still was just like... <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. Um, during the investigation, two mysterious... Is, let me start again. During the investigation, two mysterious deaths already known to the authorities were found to have been murders perpetrated by the Snowtown murders. So they were like, these two people died under weird conditions, but now they're actually murdered. Um... A total of four people were arrested and charged over the murders. All were convicted of the murders or assisting in the murders. This group was largely in <clears throat> influenced by the ringleader, John Justin Bunting. I love double first names. Yeah, John Justin. John Justin, Justin Bunting. Bunting. <laughs> um, 
Much detail was not made public with the cases having been uh, subject to over 250 suppression orders, many of which have not been lifted yet. So that line was probably the most important one of this entire thing so far. We don't have a lot of the details of like everything because there's still like ongoing like litigation and like all this investigation and stuff like that going on. Um, so we don't know all of the intense details. But I still have enough to go on for another five pages. So... You've already finished a page? No, I've finished half a page. Um, because the last one is technically only half a page. Um, anyways, so let's get to the perpetrators, the people who are actually going to be uh, important names that are going to show up on this. So we, we have our first one. John Justin Bunting. He was born in 1966 in Inala, Queensland. Uh, <clears throat> he was convicted of murdering all listed victims except for Suzanne Allen. Uh, so right now we've just got one perpetrator. We've got. If you're going to say their names, I really need you to do it in an Australian accent. I can't do that. John Justin Bunting. <laughs> no. No. John. John Justin Bunting. I can't... Mine always turns into a southern accent. John Justin, Justin Bunting. John Justin And you just Bunting. sound English. Bunting. There's like a southern English. <laughs> it's just not every word. Most of it sounds English except for like... It has to be the right word. Jan. Jan. Jan? No. Jan? Jan? No. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Um, wow. He, We've made it so far. Yeah, exactly. He um, is considered to... Who's emailing? Go away. Crikey. He is considered to have been the central figure throughout all of the killings and torture and the one whose person, personality provided motivation for the other perpetrators. While psychological reports are not yet available to the public, it has been suggested by forensic psychiatrist Professor Kevin Howells, who has worked... At Broadmoor, uh, Broadmoor Hospital in the United Kingdom, that Bunting's behavior, uh, oh, behavior with the O-U-R, uh, suggested he lacks emotion and the capacity to empathize with his victims. So basically he was like, um, I'm pretty certain that he's a psychopathic killer. Uh, and he's like, oh, he continues to say, believes Bunting fits the profile of a psychopathic killer who derives satisfaction from controlling his victims. So they haven't released that yet but they were like this other guy was like eh, i'm pretty certain he's something about um <clears throat> when bunting was young his favorite pastime was burning insects and acid and during his teenage years he was a neo-nazi no surprise there upstanding citizen. during adulthood bunting developed a deep hatred of pedophiles and homosexuals so once again no surprise <laughs> i was there. at the beginning i was like well that's not so bad now <laughs> um yeah uh, if you're someone in your family or someone you may know has been diagnosed with neo-Nazism, he or she may be entitled to mesothelioma. <laughs> <laughs> if you or one of your family ever worked in Hitler's Germany, <laughs> then you may be entitled to mesothelioma. Yep. Wait, hold on. I can get it gravelly. gravelly. <clears throat> mesothelioma. There we go. If you or a loved one has ever been diagnosed with mesothelioma, you may be entitled to a large lump sum. <laughs> Call one eight seven seven. Cash now. Cash now. <laughs> Call Jade Morgan. Eight seven seven. Cash now. <laughs> it's my money, and I, I need, need it now. Um, oh, I love jingles. Um, Robert Joe Wagner. Oh, so this is okay. So we've got John Justin Bunting as one of the perpetrators. Mm -hmm. Next one. 
We've got Robert Joe Wagner. He was befriended by Bunting in 1991. He was encouraged by Bunting to assist him in uh, the various murders. Uh, the and various complied. murders. Various murders. That was the and most Trumpian thing. Various murders. In the uh, various Hugely murders. complied in the various murders. Um, the, the third perpetrator that we've got is Mark Ray Hayden. Uh, he was not convicted of any of the murders, but pleaded guilty to helping the serial killers dispose of the bodies. Um, fourth accomplice we've got is James James Spiridon. Spiridon? S-P-I-R-I-D-O-N. Spiridon. 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 I'm thinking Spiro. <laughs> yep. Uh, James Spiridon Velasicus, um, along with his mother and half-brother, lived with Bunting and was gradually drawn into helping with the murders and torture. Later became the Crown's star witness. Um, the fifth accomplice that we've got is Elizabeth, Elizabeth Harvey, who was Velasquez's mother, uh, who knew about all of the murders and, with Bunting's encouragement, assisted in one of them. She died of cancer's, uh, cancer after the arrest of Bunting, Wagner, Velasquez, and Hayden. You just keep saying that name, and the only thing I can think of is Pickles. Yeah, I know. That's the only way that I knew how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Velasquez. Velas- because of Vlasic Pickle. Vlasic. Um, the next accomplice that we have is uh, Thomas Trevelyan. Trevelyan? Trevelyan. Um, he assisted in the murder of Barry Lane in 1997 uh, and was ended up being murdered by the other gang members prior to police involvement. And then our last accomplice that we've got here, uh, our perpetrator, is Jody Elliott, sister of Mark Ray Hayden's wife, Elizabeth Hayden, was a woman who, uh, with below average intelligence, who had become besotted with uh, Bunting. So she was in love with him. Um, she imper- impersonated a deceased former acquaintance of Bunting, Susan Allen, to collect her social security payments. Elliot's son, Frederick Books, was later murdered by the gang. <laughs> so we've got a lot of people who are involved in a lot of different things. So let's go ahead and hop into the murder, since we've got these yeah. names that are going to be coming these out. together a little for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so... Let's start from the beginning. Bunting moved into the Salisbury North home in 1991 and quickly befriended Wagner and his boyfriend, Barry Lane. Ooh, gay! Yeah. So Wagner, who what was his full name? Robert Wagner, uh, had a boyfriend named Barry Lane. His last um, name is Lane? Lane. Lane, okay. Um, and then uh, Bunting also uh, befriended Mark Hayden, uh, who lived nearby. The various victims were mainly chosen on a whim by John Bunting for imagined infractions. He especially hated pedophiles, and some victims were murdered as Bunting suspected them of being a pedophile, usually based on a flimsy on flimsy evidence or a rumor, or with a extra extra U in there. Mm-hmm. Um, others were killed mostly to dislike of obese people or drug users, or because they were gay men. Most of the victims this is were sounding really Nazi. Yeah, most of the victims were friends or acquaintances of at least one of the group. So basically, you were murdered if you were friends with one of these people. Even though two of them were gaming. Whatever. Gaming. Gaming. <clears throat> Others were relatives, sometimes living in the same house as one of the killers. Others were briefly befriended and drawn into the group as they were picked as easy targets to satisfy Bunting's desire to convict, commit murder. Usually victims, social security, and bank details were obtained, and the murderers or their associates impersonated the victims to continue to collect their pensions after their death. Although, How old are these people? Um, he was born in 1966, and these happened. Or I'm sorry, 19, yeah, 1966, and these happened in 1992. So he's almost 40. They're getting pensions already. The people that they're murdering. Uh, so some of the ones that they were murdering were like uh, disabled. Older. Disabled. Were disabled. <gasps> oh. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so they collected their pension from the state crown, I guess. The crown. Um, although the, the queen. The queen. It's my queen. Uh, although the total of uh, $97,200 was obtained during this matter, social security, social, social, social security fraud was not judged to have been a primary motive for the killings. So they were not like, I'm going to kill you for a pension. They were just like, I'm going to kill you. But I'll also collect your pension. <laughs> I heard you get some money every month. <laughs> so where is that? Let's, yeah, let's, let's get a hold of that. Um, the final murder was conducted in the bank building after the barrels had been moved there for storage. Um, so everyone else was related. How are they way. getting into the bank? <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, actually, no, I do know. We're good at that. Okay, so let's get to the victims now because this is the only way that we actually have a storyline. Um, so the first one is Clinton Trizies. Trizies. T R E no Trezies, T R E Z I S E, Trezies, Trezies, Trezies. He was 22, and he died August of 1992. He was found buried in a shallow grave in 1994 at Lower Light. Uh, was killed in Bunting's living room at his home in Salisbury North by being bashed with a shovel after being invited for a social visit. Next victim is Ray Davies, 26, died December 1995. A mentally handicapped man who lived in a caravan in the backyard behind Susan Allen's house who became a target after her accusation that he was a pedophile. So she was like, oh, he might be a pedophile. And then Bundy was like, what? <laughs> he lives in a trailer. Yeah. Obvious uh, pedophile vibes. So Harvey, who's Harvey? Harvey assisted in his torture. I don't know who that is. You know, Harvey. I don't have anyone named Harv. Harv. Harvey? Harv's. Harvey, Harvey, um, Halsey, Halsey, Halsey. Yep, she was um, there. So Davies was actually never reported missing. So even though this man was living in a trailer on the property of Susan Allen, he was never like, "Oh, where did this handicapped guy go?" Because I'm confused. Um, well, Susan Allen, 47. Allen was a friend of Bunting's, so she was probably like, "Hey, this guy probably a pedophile because he's you know because he's." He lives in a trailer behind in a my trailer. house. Yeah, behind my house. Um, and so he killed him, and then he, uh, she ended up getting killed too. She died sometime after Davies, and her remains were found buried above his in the garden of the house at Salisbury North. Her remains were wrapped in 11 different plastic bags. Her death was concealed by the accused, and they continued to collect her pension, but they later claimed that he, she had actually died of a heart attack. Based on the evidence presented in the trial, the jury was unable to decide without a doubt that she had been actually murdered. So it's like, even mm. though she's in 11 different plastic bags. You still desecrated a body. Yeah. So you are still going to say, no, nah, I don't think they killed her. Okay, girl. <laughs> Yo, I heard this story on the news about this guy had like posted something on the internet. Tell me about the saddest Thanksgiving story you have. And he was talking about how some years ago there was a mortician at this mortuary and they were getting complaints that there was really loud music coming from a mortuary, really loud Christmas music. And so they called the police and the police were like, what the fuck? It's already creepy. Because it's go, a mortician. Yeah. Go down into the whatever, the morgue. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the man was having dinner with all the dead bodies. Oh my god! And like the body, did he have the bodies propped up? Yeah, or he like sat that? them in chairs, and he's laughing and talking to them. That's so sad, but also so disgusting. It's sad and disgusting, and he was fired. 
Well, also, I can that's a crime because you can't... You can't mess with a body like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's sad. Poor guy. But also disgusting. But also poor guy. Oh, it was on um, My Favorite Murder. Oh, Somebody okay. wrote it into their story. I hate that. Um, yes, so they didn't actually say if they murdered her, but I was like, um, you guys are already at trial for murdering a bunch of people that you already know. Why is she any different? She's in 11 different plastic bags in his backyard, buried on top of someone else who they... If nothing else, they definitely des- desecrated the body. Of course, yeah. Which is the crime. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but he murdered them. Yeah. So then we move on to our fourth victim now. We've got uh, Michael Gardner, uh, age 19, died in August of 1997, and openly gay man murdered after suspicion arose that he was also a pedophile. Um, so basically this man was like, gays are pedophiles. And so anytime they're like, I'm gay, it's like, you're probably a pedophile. I'm going to kill you. So he did. Um, next we have a familiar name. Barry Lane, 42, died October 1997. A gay man who was also a crossdresser who had been in a relationship with Robert Wagner at the time Bunting first met them in 1991 when he moved to their neighborhood. Uh, Trevel Yan was later boyfriends of Lane's. Lane had been tortured by having his toes crushed with pliers. Ooh. Yeah. Our next victim, Thomas Trevelyan, <laughs> age 18, died in 1997, was found hanging from a tree, tree near Kersbrook in the... Uh, out. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have one of those days, aren't we? Robertson fa- Handicaps. Robert again. the Handicaps. Uh, was found hanging from a tree near Kersbrook in the Adelaide Hills and was initially presumed to have committed suicide. He had helped in the murder of Barry Lane, which is, like, you were dating him. Like, what? Uh, But then was later killed after discussing the crime with others. So he was like, oh my god. I have tea. I killed my boyfriend. (laughs) And they were like, you fucker. They were like, wig. (laughs) Snatched. (laughs) You literally snatched his wig, didn't you? Right off the scalp. Oh. Too much. Um... But was later killed after discussing the crime with others. Uh, he was known to his family to have suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and was easily persuaded. So they're probably like, Kim, Kim, just come with us. And he was like, okay. And they was like, bang. Like you're, uh, actually, I don't think they really use guns. Um, I probably strangled him and then hung him up. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so next we have Gavin Porter, age 29, died April of 1998. Uh, he was a heroin addict and a friend of Velasquez. Uh, after Bunting, Elizabeth Harvey, Velasquez, and a, another person named Troy Yuda um, moved to Murray Bridge, South Australia, Porter also moved in. Bunting decided that he should be the next victim after he was pricked by a discarded syringe Porter left on the couch in the living room. Porter was strangled in the car parked on his property. So this guy who was a heroin addict like, accidentally left a used syringe on the couch and Bunting like sat on it. He was like, what the fuck? I'm so fucking pissed off, and he killed him. And what year is this? Uh, 1998. So he could have been afraid of AIDS. Uh, it didn't say that he was gay. You don't have to be gay to get AIDS. Well, okay. Heroin addicts get AIDS all the time. I understand that. <laughs> but at the time, every... Okay, whatever. You dug me into a hole and made me look like <laughs> a shit. You're head. a homophobe, okay? <laughs> okay, whatever. Shame, um, shame. Troy Yuda, age 21, died September 1998. He was Velasquez's half-brother and son of Elizabeth Harvey, 
who was living with them at Bunting's Murray Bridge house at the time of his death. He was killed in the house after being dragged from his bed while asleep, and this was the first murder Velasquez actually participated in, supposedly. Allegedly. Allegedly. The next victim is uh, Frederick Brooks, age 18, died September 1998. He was intellectually disabled, uh, the son of Jody Elliott, a woman in love with Bunting. Uh, he was chosen by Bunting as an easy victim and lured to his house where he was attacked and brutally tortured. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, goodness. Our next victim is Gary O'Dwyer, age 29. Uh, he died November of 1998. Uh, man disabled. Uh, he was a uh, man disabled in an earlier car accident and was on a pension. O'Dwyer was a stranger to all of the um, uh, killers, uh, and he was picked as an easy target. He was killed in his home in Francis Street, Murray Bridge, by Bunting, Wagner, and Vlasicus. Our next victim is Elizabeth Hayden, age 37. Uh, she was uh, she died November of 1998. Uh, you recognize the last name because that's Mark Hayden's wife, the man who is helping kill everyone. Oh. Um, she was killed by Bunting and Wagner in her home while her husband was away. Was away. He's um, probably like... She's really been ragging on me about these murders, guys. So you should probably go ahead and take care of her. Just get rid of her. Just take her out. Um, That's how people in Australia talk. Yep. Uh, and then our last victim uh, that we know of is David Johnson, age 24. He died May of 1999. He was Velasquez's stepbrother. So basically, Velasquez killed two... He was just like... Kill my family. Yeah. Kill them all. Kill the stepbrother who's not actually related to me. Kill the half-brother who's not actually related, or who is half-related to me. Um, I don't care. Um, then I'll be the favorite child. Yeah, apparently. Uh, he was murdered by Bunting in the bank building, having been lured there by Velasquez. Uh, so he was lured there because he was like, hey, I think there's a sale on some computer. You want to come with me? And so Velasquez took him to this, this, like, well, took him to another town. Because computers were not, like, crazy so i mean they were expensive computers so, were crazy well they were crazy. they're still crazy they're still crazy. whatever um so yeah, they took him to this place and he was like oh yeah the person who's gonna meet you to sell the computers over here and then they walked in and bunting was like fucking kill him and kill him um he was the only victim to have actually died in snowtown so the investigation began to actually take place after or take shape after elizabeth hayden's <coughs> brother reported her missing within days of her disappearance so he was like where the fuck did my sister go and why is she not responding to anything pretty certain that if i died here in houston my sister and brother-in-law would be like when is chris coming home <laughs> and i'd be like wow he sure is late for this podcast yeah, it's, it's wednesday and he hasn't said what his topic is or if he's coming like what the fuck um so but i wouldn't do anything yeah <laughs> oh chris didn't show up i'm gonna drink again <laughs> no, I would send you mean text messages. Where the fuck are you? Like buzzing in like a shallow grave. That's how I get discovered. Then a zombie. <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Hello? You smell like you have brains. Can I have them? <laughs> um, her brother did not believe her uh, husband, Mark Hayden's explanations for her disappearance, which seemed to contradict each other in varying versions of that varying version that he gave. And the brother also did not believe that she would just leave without her young two sons. So it's like, the fuck would my sister just disappear? Like, I don't understand. So police were like, um, why didn't her husband report her as missing? 
because that should be the first thing. Uh, and so they investigated her disappearance. I no, she just went out shopping and she never came back. Yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth Hayden was closely affiliated with all of the murderers. So they all fell under close scrutiny once police started their investigations. Uh, the discovery that uh, Trezai, Tre- what are we saying? Trezai's. Trezai's. Um, and Lane had known each other was one of the first clues in the police discovering that there were more than a routine, that there was more than a routine missing person investigation. So this all starts to culminate. They're like, those two people knew each other and now they're dead and or gone. Um, and this other woman is gone who knew all of these people. So like, what's going on here? There's something happening in Adelaide and it's not great. Um, so now we get to the storage of the bodies. There was a discovery of barrels in May of 1999 in Snowtown, uh, which was the culmination of this five years of shit happening. Uh, five years of criminal investigation. Police involvement with the then unlinked crimes had begun with the discovery of the human remains at Lower Light. Uh, so Lower Light was the first victim, uh, was Charles... Charles... No, Clinton Trezai's. Yeah. Sorry. Um, scrolling, 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 scrolling. Um, so after Elizabeth Hayden's disappearance, the police installed a listening device in Mark Hayden's house in Smithfield Plains, recording from which uh, recordings from which were later used in court evidence. The remains at Lower Light were later determined to have been those of Clinton Trezise, who had been murdered in Bunting's living room in Salisbury, North South Australia. Uh, Ray Davies and Susan Allen were found buried in the backyard of that house as well. Uh, the bodies in the barrels were vi- were variously stored in several places before finally being moved to the bank vault in Snowtown. These included a shed behind Bunting's house in Murray Bridge in April of 1998. The three barrels were then moved to Hayden's property at Smithville Plains later in 1998. Then five, the five barrels were stored in a Toyota Land Cruiser at Hoylton a locality on the Adelaide Plains near the Clear Valley and with a six in a Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi stigma at the at Murray Bridge. So I was like, how big are these fucking cars? And how many bodies are in the car? Uh, well, there's a total of eight bodies, but five in one car and then one in the other. And the cars are just out? Uh, they're being stored. So I assume these cars were probably also stolen or not being used. I don't know. That's, there's no. That's what I'm talking. There's garage? like weird, weird bits of information that are missing from the story because there's still things that are being used in court. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I assumed they were stolen. That was what I assumed. <clears throat> so both of these vehicles were later moved to Snowtown, and afterwards the barrels moved into the bank vault, uh, which had been rented by Hayden using the name Mark Lawrence, uh, the name that he had used before he was married. So I guess he changed his name when he got married. How cute. <laughs> The whole thing. Yeah. His name was Mark. Oh. It was Mark Hayden. Oh. <laughs> he loved his wife so much that he wanted to change his name to his wife's name. Sure. Or maybe they just picked one. Yeah. It's like, let's just make something up. Um, so the movement of unfamiliar vehicles into a tiny town like Sn- Snowtown, uh, which is a small town where strangers stand out, uh, and loading activity at the old bank led the bank building being searched. They were like... There's a bunch of weird people here, and the bank doors open, so... So why the fuck are there people there? Like, we we know this tiny small town. Why are there so many strangers? Like, get out of here. Um, <laughs> get off our land. Yeah. 
So of the Snowtown location, one, police, one local police source said, from what I understand, there was no person involved in those murders from within Snowtown or the surrounding district. They were murdered elsewhere, and the drums were brought to Snowtown because it was a little quiet town, and there was a, premise, uh, a premises ideal for the persons involved. So they were like, this is the perfect place to have a headquarters. So when they finally discovered the scene, they were like, oh, shit. So one Snowtown officer said, it was a scene from the worst nightmare you've ever had. I don't think any of us was prepared for what we saw. The building was littered with tools used, for the, used by the killers to torture and murder their victims, including knives, a bloodstained saw, a double barrel shotgun, coils of rope, rolls of tape, rubber gloves, cloths, and they had a, uh, like a metallurgy tool that, killers, that the killers use to administer electric shocks to the genitals and other sensitive parts of the victims' bodies. The pathologist's report later revealed that the prolonged torture had taken place using everyday tools such as pincers, pliers, clamp, uh, pliers and clamps. Examples of all these were found in the vault. Wendy Abrams QC, QC, Queen's prosecution. Oh. Um, the, the deputy of the public prosecutions uh, reported that the Supreme Court of South Australia, that the victims were forced to call their torturers God, Master, Chief Inspector, and Lord Sir. Crazy. Um, Ray Davies was garroted with a piece of rope and a tire lever uh, after being placed in a bath attacked with clubs, repeatedly beaten about his genitals, and having a toe crushed with a pair of pliers. Oh, God. Frederick Brooks received electric shocks to his penis and testicles and had a burning sparkler pushed through into his penis. Uh, oh, my God. After his toes were crushed and his nose and ears were burned with cigarettes, he was allowed to choke to death on his gag. Allowed to. <laughs> um... A piece of flesh from the 11th and final victim, David Johnson, was fried and eaten by Bunting and Wagner. Uh, examiners attempted to identify the remains found the, uh, and f attempting to identify the remains found them mummified rather than dissolved, the latter being apparent intentions for storing the bodies in barrels of acid. The, the killers had chosen hydrochloric acid, which ended up mummifying the victim's remains. Um, so I guess it wasn't a strong enough acid. Um, so that's great and disgusting. Ugh. Yeah, so they are terrible people. So now we get to the trials. Um, after a series of pretrial hearings, the first was accused. Uh, the first of the accused was sentenced. Oh my god! First of the accused to be sentenced was Velasquez, who was given four life sentences on June twenty first of two thousand one after pleading guilty to four murders. Later that summer, Bunting, Hayden, and Wagner each pleaded not guilty to ten counts of murder. Many of the charges against Hayden were later dropped due to insufficient evidence. Uh, the Supreme Court trial for Wagner and Bunting began on October 14th of 2002, and within a short space of time, the court experienced difficulties with the trial. At least one juror refused to continue due to the horror of the evidence, and some sources report that a total of three jurors withdrew from the panel for this exact same reason. Both Bunting and Wagner were found guilty on September 8th of 2003. Bunting was convicted of 11 murders, and Wagner, who had pleaded guilty to three murders, was convicted of seven. Both appalled, both appealed, <laughs> both appealed their convictions. They were each sentenced to imprisonment for life on each count to be served cumulatively. The presiding judge, Justice Brian Martin, stated that the men were, quote, 
in the business of killing for pleasure, end quote, and were also, quote, incapable of true rehabilitation, end quote. Be- they, the judge basically was like, you're never getting out. Y'all are fucked up. You're not getting out. That's what you get. Um, because you were just killing people to have fun. You weren't mm-hmm. killing people, you know, for self-defense or any shit like that. Like, calm down. Um, the proceedings against Hayden continued into 2004. And on uh, August 2nd, a trial opened in which he was charged with two counts of murder and six counts of assisting offenders. Uh, Hayden testified that he was not party to the crime. So he was not present. Um, However, on uh, December 19th, the jury returned from four days of deliberation, convicting Hayden on five counts of assisting in the crimes and reaching no verdict on the two counts of murder and the remaining charge of assistance. Uh, Hayden was held in detention as of 2004, awaiting a possible retrial. In May of 2005, the Supreme Court dismissed an appeal by Bunting and Wagner, who have now exhausted their avenues of appeal in South Australia. In September of 2005, the murder charges against Hayden were dropped in return for guilty pleas uh, to two new charges of assisting in the killing of his wife, Elizabeth Hayden, and Troy Yuda. The prosecutors also agreed to drop an additional charge of assisting offenders in relation to the murder of David Johnson. So basically they told Hayden, like, if you agree to have helped in the murder, we won't charge you for actually killing these people anymore. So we'll, you know, trade you. And so he's like, okay. Sweet deal. Yeah. Uh, the final outstanding murder charges against John Bunting and Robert Wagner concerning Susan Allen were dropped on May 7th of 2007 when a jury was unable to reach a verdict. Like, okay, so this lady ended up murdered in 11 different bags in the yard that you found two other bodies of the people that they murdered. That they murdered. And hers were on top of someone else that you charged them for murder of. But you're like, I don't think they killed him. Okay. <laughs> How? What? How is that not relate? I don't, whatever. So now we get to a little bit of the community impact. Uh, so Bunting and Wag- Wagner had been described alongside the backpacker murders, uh, the backpacker murders killer, Ivan Mel- Malat, as Australia's worst serial killer. So when I was looking at uh, Australian serial killers, Ivan Milot also showed up, but I was not as interested in that, um, even though it's kind of fucked up. Uh, but I think there was only four people, four or five victims of that. So I was like, oh, there's 11 in this one. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's normally how I live. Yeah. Um, 23. The particulars of the case, especially the manner in which the victims were found, horrified yet also fascinated the public. Uh, the murders, murders garnered South Town much unwanted attention, and the town is best known for its murders. <laughs> According to local residents, in the 18 months following discovery in the uh, disused bank vault, a steady stream of unwelcome visitors would stop to look at and photograph the building. We were like, oh, there it is. Click, okay, now I'm driving 90 miles back to Adelaide. Bye. There's a joke that uh, Cameron and Georgia make all the time that it's like people talk about where they're from and anybody says Wisconsin or something. They're like, oh, my God, you guys have the best serial killers. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's what it said. I'm like, that is a very socially acceptable response. Yeah. Oh, I Wisconsin. love you serial killers. How about that cheese? <laughs> no. No, no, no. John no, Wayne no. Gacy? Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> Wasn't Jerry Dahmer from Wisconsin? No. He's from Michigan. No, it was Minneapolis. Wisconsin. Minneapolis? Or? I thought it was Minneapolis Wisconsin. is Wisconsin. 
Is that it? No, that's Minnesota. Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. Oh, okay. That's all close to you. Minnesota. Basically the same thing. Um, so at the time, the local press reported a suggestion that the town's name be changed to avoid the stigma now associated with the name, although this suggestion was never acted upon. One suggested new name in the press reports was Rosetown. <laughs> Uh, the town in South, Salisbury North was owned by the South Australian Housing Trust and has since been demolished. Today, units for older people are in its place. And also three ghosts. <laughs> so, there's that. Um, so, yeah. That is kind of a fucked up story. I know that it was kind of a weird timeline because that was what I was working with. But, I mean, we ended up with 11, 12, 12 dead people uh, from these people that were just like, you a friend? I'll kill you. Yep. You gay? Okay. <laughs> so and so told so and so's brother that so and so told me that you gay. Yeah, but I don't know why he didn't kill Wagner because Wagner was one who he met who was in a gay relationship with uh, one of the people who died, like one of the people he killed. Maybe he did that weird shit where he was like, "I've seen the light." Yeah. Now we gotta kill this gay. But then why didn't he kill his friend? His friend was helping him do the killings. Yeah, maybe the friend is like, I see the light. Oh, got it. I thought you meant when I, meant Bunting. Uh, no, I think Bunting. Well, see, I, this reading this gave me very like, um, uh, like almost to the point of like cultish vibes, because all these people kept on like helping do these killings, but then they'd see like okay, this person was just helping us do the killings and now he's dead. So, like, wh why are we continuing to do these killings? Because we might be next. Like, I don't know. It was a whole... I mean, Bunting was the, the one who was in charge of all of this shit. Well, there's a whole bunch missing, too. Yeah. And you said he made the... His captors call him God and shit. So yeah. That's kind of culty. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was just kind of a fucked up thing that, like, Bunting definitely thought that he was, like, a big shot. And he's like, oh, I'm going to keep killing these people because, like, all my... Fr I keep killing these people who are friends because all the people who are helping me are also their friends. So, like, no one's going to snitch because they don't have any other friends to talk about this with. They just think that they just disappeared. Yep. And, like, this is just before the internet started to, like, really ramp up. So it's like... It's, no one's really talking to each other. So if they skip town... They'd be like, oh, yeah, they went to another town, and we're still able to get away with that. <laughs> like, Yeah, you just have to have somebody to check up on you is the only reason why Well, that, they had a lot of disappear. people who were um, pretending to be those people, remember? Because I, I said... Yeah, but I mean, like, collecting... family. What? Not like, family, not like the government. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so they, they would just say, like, oh, yeah, I'm so-and-so, I need my pension. And so they kept on collecting people's pension. So they got money out of this, too, but that wasn't the... Supposedly was not the primary motive. Hmm. But yeah, it's kind of fucked up. And it happened in the 90s and they're still not done with it? Yeah. Well, the, the last trial was not until, what, 2007? That's what I said? It's 2019. Yeah, I know. Still 12 years later. There was 250 inquiries, basically, against this. So I think inquiries. there's still things going into this. So I assume that some of them are still alive. I think all of them are still alive. Hmm. So that's why they're like, we can still put you away for longer if we need to. <laughs> I have a very similar case. Oh, boy. But they opened it, closed it, reopened it, and then they closed it again. And now they're going to reopen it? No, they've got okay. it closed. They finally is gone. Have you ever heard of Amanda Knox? 
Actually, I think so. Uh-huh. Amanda Knox. Amanda, 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 Amanda. Amanda, 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 no, show. <laughs> um, no, Amanda Knox. So, the most information is about Amanda. The victim is uh, Meredith Kircher. Okay. Was the, the murdered. Um, Where was this? Italy. Oh. Which is why we had pizza. Yay! Pizza! I don't uh, think that was the only reason. Yeah, well. <laughs> anyway. So, there... I, I stole all of this from Stoll. I'm <clears throat> citing Not my source of Biography.com. So thank you to the editors of Biography.com. Um, even like Murderpedia? It wasn't, she's not on Murderpedia because mm. she's not a murderer. We'll get there. Mm. So we'll go with a bit of background about Amanda first. So Amanda was born in uh, July 9th, 1987 in Seattle uh, to Edda, and, Edda Millis and Kurt Knox, uh, a vice president of finance at Macy's. Um, Knox has a younger sister named Deanna. Oh, and wow. He's high up then. Yeah. Damn. I don't know why they're in Seattle then, because... Is Macy's based in Seattle? No. They're based in, like, uh, not even New York. It's Ohio. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Gross. Um, so, Knox has two stepsisters, Ashley and Delaney Knox. Uh, her parents were divorced when she was a toddler. Uh, she grew up in middle-class neighborhood. She played soccer, and her athletic skill earned her the nickname Foxy Noxy, mm. uh, according to her parents. It was a nickname that would come back to haunt Knox years later. 2005, she graduated from Seattle Preparatory High School, and she entered the University of Washington in that fall, planning to pursue a degree in linguistics. Um, by all appearances, she was an ordinary college student. She threw loud parties. She was named on the dean's list and worked several jobs to pay her tuition. Uh, friends recall her as a kind and gentle individual. Wait, what year is this? 2005-ish. Oh, okay. Uh, to further pursue her linguistics degree, 20-year-old Knox left Washington and headed for Perugia, Italy. Ooh. Uh, where she wanted to spend a year at the University of for Foreigners. Uh, in Perugia, Knox roomed with Meredith Kircher, a 20-year-old student from London. Kircher was also studying linguistics abroad for a year. Soon after she arrived in Perugia, Knox and Kircher attended a classical musical concert. Uh, there, Knox met a 23-year-old Italian computer engineer named Raffaele Solecito. Uh, Knox and Solecito began dating soon afterwards. So she she met an Italian dick and she was like she was like tasty. Mm, this is spicy. <laughs> that is one spicy meatball. <laughs> Wait, now, come here and give me your linguine. Is that a, a slur that we just use? This meatball a slur? No, I'm scared. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh, like in the fifties. Oh, we're not in the fifties. Nobody now. hates Italians. It's only okay if you don't have the hard M. <laughs> Eatball. <laughs> Meatball. No, hard, not hard L's. Okay. Meatball. Meatball. <laughs> Meatball. Um, so, <laughs> November 21st, 2007, Amanda Knox was supposed to work at a pub called Le Chic, uh, where she had a part time job. Is it French now? I thought we were in Italy. We are. What? What? Well, fucking. 
There's a place down there. There's places here. We're just stealing names from everywhere. The eagle is actually Egyptian for eagle. Um, The Egyptian eagle. J.R. stands for Juanita's restaurant. restaurant. (laughs) Why did we both go for that? I was was always going for Juanita. I didn't know to go to restaurant. I was just going to say Juanita's room. Juanita's restaurant. (laughs) I mean, it's a chain, so. Come on down to Juanita's restaurant. We have We've got boys gays. in Speedos. Go-go dances galore. Drag queen sometimes. There's not really any food, but on Sunday we have pizza. <laughs> Just hang out. We'll sell it to you for $5 a slice. <laughs> and it was $5 for the whole pizza. We're making lots of money here. Um, so she had a part-time job at this pub. Her boss, Patrick Lumbumba, sent a text message saying that she wasn't needed. Um, so not, even though she didn't show up, they were just like, okay, don't come in. Yeah. They weren't like, where are you, girl? Well, it's 2007. They're like, I don't know. That's, oh. That's what people in 2007 were like. Don't you oh, remember? It's LA. <laughs> don't have an de- eating disorder? Get, Get one, one, bitch. <laughs> just kidding. If you have an eating disorder, uh, please seek help. Please seek help. Anyways. <laughs> um, so she went to Solicito's apartment for the night. Knox and Solicito reportedly returned to her apartment the next day around noon and found the front door open. Windows were broken and there was blood in the bathroom. <gasps> Is this Taken? Almost. Oh. It's nothing like Taken. Oh. I want Liam Neeson to just come in there and like shove his fist down someone's throat. It was 2007. He could definitely do that. Yeah, he'll definitely like Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's era. Um... Well, he would have been really bad at his job if it were in this case. Okay. So Knox called Kircher's phone, but there was no answer. Then she called their third roommate. Finally, Knox called her mother in Seattle, who told her to call the police. Two Wait, o- where was Amanda this entire time? Hmm? Who's Amanda? Oh, yeah, Amanda. She's in the house looking for... Yeah, her- no, but she was missing for her shift, right? Didn't you just say that? Yeah, she was at... She didn't show up, and then she went to Solicito's apartment for the night. Oh, and then they came back the next day at noon. Okay. Um, so she's only gone for a day. Yeah, for the evening. Okay. Um, so, blah, 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 two officers soon appeared on the scene. They were postal police officers used to investigate postal crimes, not murder investigations. <laughs> then why did they send them? Hey, I've got <laughs> broken windows and blood. Hey, you busy? We're, I mean, the mail's about to go out. Well, put it off, okay? Can you show up? <laughs> what? They were, what? They were like, also, why do you have police for postage? That was what I was, how, how many crimes do you have for post office, like, for mail? How, how, why? How much mail do you have in 2007? It, Everything's on the it's internet. Italy. <laughs> um, and it was. <laughs> Uh, they entered the apartment to investigate, and they kicked down the door into Kircher's bedroom. Inside, they found Kircher's body on the floor, covered in a duvet and soaked in blood. Amanda Knox and Rafaela Solicito were taken to the police station, and for five days, they were interrogated. Uh, later, Knox would say that there was no interpreter present. Uh, though her mother had urged her to flee the country, Knox chose to stay in Perugia, wanting to meet Meredith Kircher's family. 
Knox said later that she was bullied and beaten while in the police custody. Finally, Solicito admitted... In Italy? Mm-hmm. Wow. You should see the videos of them taking them out of the courtroom. Mm-hmm. They were not... I mean, I think they do that on purpose. It's like what they do, but it's like a line of police officers, and they go out in a line, and they, like, link arms with the suspect. Wow. But they're, like, dragging her along. Interesting. I don't really think she was beat. But I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, finally, Solicito admitted that Knox could have left his apartment at night while he was sleeping. When detectives presented this to Knox as an, as an accusation, she broke down. Knox signed a confession saying that she had returned to apartment, her apartment on the night of November 1st, 20, 2007, um, and had been standing in the room while Lumumba Lum, Lumbumba stabbed Kircher to death. Who's Lumumba? Her boss. Oh. At the bar. Um, on November 6th, 2007, Italian police announced that Kircher's killers had been found, and Knox and Solicito were arrested. Lumumba, or Lumbumba had an alibi. He was bartending at Le Chic on the night of the murder. So two weeks later, a forensic lab report, the results of its examinations of DNA evidence taken from the crime scene. The evidence didn't point to Knox or Solicito. It pointed to someone else, Rudy Guede, a friend of the Italian men who lived in the apartment below Knox's and Karcher's apartment. Um, they also didn't find any of Amanda's DNA in the room, which you shred DNA constantly. Yeah. Even from just not even moving. Yeah, just scratch, going and standing in there. Your arm in near the room or sharing AC in the same area. Well, that's also Italy. They may not have an AC there. Probably not. Um, but I mean, just being in the same area, there's DNA everywhere. So. It would be easy to find her DNA to begin with, but they didn't. So they found it all over the house, of course. But yeah, not in uh, Meredith's room. Yeah. Um, so Goede had been accused of several uh, burglaries, but didn't have any convictions on his record. Um, he was immediately arrested in Germany and admitted to being in the, uh, being at the murder scene. But he stated that he didn't kill Kircher. He also stated that Knox and Solicito were not involved. Okay. Uh, Rudy Goede opted for a fast-track trial. Uh, in October of 2008, he was found guilty of the murder and sexual assault of Meredith Kircher and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Knox and Solicito chose to have a full trial and were tried together, which I guess you can do in Italy. Um, <laughs> Let's be friends. Let's you, go to jail you together. You both should go together. <laughs> it would be cute. You can tell your kids. <laughs> Um, the Peru- we were in love. <laughs> we, we went and were tried for the same crime together. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Thank like you. Um, and then the police officer slapped us both. Yeah. Um, the Perugian prosecutor, Giuliano, <laughs> right, immediately, immediately following that was, the trial. It was like, you may now get slapped. <laughs> Just. <laughs> now you're married. Now you may kiss the bride. <laughs> um, Giuliano... So an Aegean and an, in French make an a ne, like Gnoc- cologne gnocchi. kind of noise, but Wait, I don't think they do. Yeah. I'm not sure that they do it in Italian. So it's either minini, mininini, or mignini. Because I would say it's almost like gnocchi. 
There's a G there. Minini. Whatever. Uh, he painted a picture of Knox that shaped how the public saw her. Uh, he described her as a sex-crazed marijuana smoker. Who is this? The prosecutor? Yeah. Oh. Who had dragged her boyfriend into a game of rough sex that ended in Kircher's murder. Even what the fuck? Even calling Knox a she-devil. Even on, though there's no DNA evidence saying that she was there. Mm-hmm. On December 29, 2009, uh, Knox was sentenced to 26 years in prison. Solicito, 25 years in prison. Knox's family and many supporters, mostly American, prote- protested the sentencing with a beautiful young woman at its center. Oh, that's, that's generous. Yeah. Um, the case was uh, became an international sensation. Supporters criticized the Italian legal system, which they said had major flaws, and claimed Knox was discriminated against because she was American. Well, like the fact that there was no DNA evidence in the area at all. And they had someone else who was in jail that had his DNA all over it, who had also sexually assaulted her. Yep. Um, but they're saying that it's just because she's American and because she's pretty that they're treating her like that. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I would just say uh, DNA. Yeah. Um, which is not. Did she have all- a shitty lawyer? I don't think she had. I mean, she would have had whatever Italy had given, given to her. her. Uh, I don't know how their legal system works, but yeah. I don't think. I mean, let me hire an American to come represent me they can in Italian send court. Them anyway, yeah. Um, in April 2010, Knox and Solicito's lawyers filed appeals or filed appeals contesting that the evidence uh, and the credibility of the witnesses. Uh, the appeal process began on December or in December of 2010. This time, forensic experts said that the DNA was used in the first trial was unreliable. Um, in June 2011, the defense called to witness uh, a man who testified that in prison, Goede had said that Knox and Solicito were not involved in the murder. Knox and Solicito had support in their appeal from the Idaho Innocence Project, a legal organization that uses DNA testing to prove the innocence of wrongly convicted people. Isn't that the one that we talked about with... Um... The San Antonio 4? I think so. I think it was the same project. Um, they're out there doing good work. Yeah. Um, so on October 3rd, 2011, two years after their first trial, the murder convictions against Knox and Solicito were overturned. Knox's prior convictions for defaming Patrick Lumbumba was upheld, uh, and she was sentenced to a three-year term and fined. Even though she had already served four years at this point. Yep. Because she was sentenced in 2007. No. Yeah. No, the murder was in 2007. Oh. I think it was 2009. Oh, okay. So she's been in jail for two years. Um, upon the announcement of the verdict, the reporters' uh, cameras caught Knox breaking into tears. Knox flew from Rome uh, to London and then home to Seattle. So I guess they let her... Go home have- first? Served, time served. Oh, okay. Um, the acquittal overturned. <gasps> Not long after returning home, Knox picked up her studies at the University of Washington, majoring in creative writing. In a sharp turn of events on March 2013, Knox and Solicito were both ordered to stand trial again for the murder of Meredith Kircher by the Italian Supreme Court, Italy's final court of appeals. 
the court of cassination or cassa cassation. What the fuck is that? A court. <laughs> a court. Um, <laughs> a big court. They were like, whatever. We're gonna do it again. Yeah. Knox released a statement shortly after learning that she would again face trial for murder. It was painful to receive the news of the Italian Supreme Court decided to spend, send my case back for a revision when the prosecution's theory of my involvement in Meredith's murder has been repeatedly revealed to be completely unfounded and unfair. She stated, adding, I believe that any questions as to my innocence must be examined by an obje objective uh, investigation and a capable prosecution. The prosecution responsible for many discrepancies in their work must be made to answer for them. For Raffaele's sake, my sake, and most especially for the sake of Meredith's family, our hearts go out with them. Uh, That's sweet of her to say, though. Mm -hmm. she's, she's not a bad girl. Mm -mm. Uh, after the acquittal was overturned, a new trial began on September 30th, 2013. Uh, because the court was in Perugia and it lacked the appropriate amount of space... The location of the second trial was in Florence um, with Judge Alessandro Nessini. N E N C I N I? N E N C. Nencini? Nencini? Well, I thought Chi is with two C's. Nencini. Yeah, I'd say C. Whatever. Um, we are not known for getting names right. Uh, especially, why did we choose to do. An international month because <laughs> none of us can say the names. I chose French. I might have gotten those. Yeah. Um, so Knox made no uh, arrangements to attend any portion of the trial, while Solicito attended the trial as it came to an end with a verdict. A new so piece. So she never showed up for trial. She didn't go to back to Italy. Which I wouldn't blame her. Yeah. Um, a new uh, piece of evidence, which was referred to as evidence 36I, was examined in the, in the trial. Uh, it was a minuscule piece of material that was found on a kitchen knife that Italian prosecutors believed was used to kill Kircher. The new uh, testing did not find Kircher's DNA on the knife. However, they did find traces of Knox's DNA. It's a kitchen knife in their house that they used together. It's very possible that she got her DNA on that knife. But that knife doesn't have the person that she stabbed. How would they not have DNA of the person that she stabbed if she used that knife to fucking stab her? These people are reaching. <laughs> yeah. Knox's legal team used, uh, used the finding in her defense. Uh, it means that Amanda took the knife exclusively for cooking matters to keep the, in the kitchen and to use it. Knox's defense lawyer, Luca Maiori, told the Associated Press... It is something very important. It is absurd to use it for a murder and just put it back in the drawer, mm -hmm. which is absurd. Where they found it, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, You're like, oh, I'm going to stab this person. Oh, but I have to make sure my apartment's clean. I have right. to put it back inside of the drawer. Oh, hold on. I'm just going to do some dishes. Yeah. And um, it doesn't have her blood on it. It's just got mine. Yep. Like, not, not even, even blood. blood just, <laughs> just DNA. DNA. Also, stabbing is very visceral. Yes. And she would have some sort of injury. Yeah. So, in a decision that created shockwaves around the globe in early February 2014, Knox and Solicito were again found guilty. What the fuck? Of murdering Meredith Kircher. Following near, nearly 12 hours of deliberation by an appeals court jury that concluded with upholding the lower court's 2009 decision against Knox and her former boyfriend... Solicito received a 25-year sentence, um, while Knox, 
who was convicted of slander in addition to murder, was sentenced to 21 or 28 and a half years. She states, I am frightened and saddened by this unjust verdict. Having been found innocent before, I expected better from the Italian justice system. The evidence and the accusatory theory do not justify a verdict of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. There has always been a marked lack of evidence, the 26-year-old added. She's 26. Mm -hmm. And going to be put away until she's 55 for no evidence. There's no evidence. So... Um, this has gotten out of hand. Most troubling is that it was not entirely preventable, that it was t entirely preventable. I beseech those with the knowledge and authority to address and remediate the problems that worked to pervert the course of justice and waste valuable resources of the system. Uh, in March 2015, the Supreme Court of Italy overturned the 2014 convictions of Knox and Solicito. The ruling was the final decision in the case against the two, and more details on the court's verdict were released in June. After learning about the verdict, Knox issued a statement saying, I am tremendously relieved and grateful for the court's decision. After returning home, Knox finished her degree and began working as a freelance journalist. She wrote, Waiting to be Heard, a memoir, a best-selling book about her experience, which was released in 2013. Her story is the subject of Amanda Knox, a Netflix documentary, which was released in September 2016. Uh, in addition to her writing career, she appears at Innocence Projects and advocates for people that have been wrongly imprisoned. Um, she got married. Um, to Solicito? No. Ugh. A childhood friend and musician, Colin Sutherland. Ugh. But then they split up. And now she's engaged to Christopher Robinson. From Winnie the Pooh? Yep. <laughs> Christopher Robin. I know, it's a joke. Um, in 2017, August, Knox announced she was making plans to return to Perugia in 2018 as part of the follow-up to her book's uh, best-selling memoir. No, I would yeah. never go back. Me neither. That's so stupid. Uh, January 2019, European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg ruled that Italy had to pay Knox uh, 18,400 euros, about $20,000. Good. For the failure to provide legal assistance and the independent interpreter when she was interrogated in the aftermath of the 2000, 2007 murder well, of her that's roommate. A, uh, that's what I was going to say way back when you said that she was kept. She was, her and Solicita were kept there for five days. I'm sure we're not allowed to sleep. We're not really, you know, given much food or anything like that to eat. And if they were beaten, they were beaten, you know, whatever. So they were basically tortured. abused, tortured in this time frame. So in five days of no sleep, no food, no water, things like that, I would say whatever the fuck they want me to. I'd be like, sure, I was, she couldn't, like, like Solicita said, maybe she went while I was asleep. Like, I don't know. And I'm sure she was like, I'm so fed up and tired. She was like, Sure, I was at the house, like whatever, or maybe she imagined she was at the house. Like you don't know, because yeah. if she hasn't slept in five days, who the fuck knows? Yeah, they fucked her over. Yeah, because she was convicted guilty, acquitted, convicted guilty, acquitted, convicted guilty, acquitted. Yeah, six times, girl. Yeah, six times in court. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, she that is fucked up apparently agreed to speak at a criminal justice festival in Modena, Italy in 2019. The Italy Innocence Project didn't exist yet. Uh, when I was wrongly convicted in Perugia, she wrote on Twitter, I'm honored to accept their invitation to speak to the Italian. 
Italian people at this historic event and return to Italy for the first time. So it's like a political thing. Like, hey, show up and tell everyone... What the f- what, what happened to what, you? Yeah, t- tell everyone why we need more reform in our criminal justice system. Yeah. Because you were fucked up. Fucked over several times. Hey, Google. When did Italy join the European Union? 1958. Here's a summary from the website schengenvisainfo.com. Italy. Italy is a member country of the EU since January 1st, 1958. With it- so you're part of the EU and you still have this backwards-ass criminal justice program? Yeah, well, isn't one of the... Is it Hungary or Poland that's like all super fucked up right now over things too? I think it's Hungary. Well, there's pizza there's if you're hungry. <laughs> Shut up. Um, no, there, there was like some big thing that was going on in their country. I think it was Hungary. I don't know. Uh, but this what happened what two years ago? That there was some, no, it's happening recently. That they were having like all these uh, political issues, and the EU was like, "Y'all better get your shit together. Or we're gonna kick you out." Like, I'm not. We're not. We're not fucking, fucking around we're here. We're not fucking around here. We already did it to England. Look what the fuck's happening up there. They're trying to Brexit us. Yeah, but they've been trying to do it for three years. Yep. And they still haven't done it. So look, look what happens. Um, I, I don't Kong. know what happens. I'll have to look it up. Um, but also, no, no, it's not important. Anyway, but yeah, there's like, I mean, even within the EU, the EU is is more like for economic situation, not for legal yeah. shit. So, but they have, I mean, they have treaties to where yeah. they're saying, this is how you have to treat people. Yeah. But apparently not in criminal not, justice. Not in Italy. Or when it comes to America. Well, yeah, they're like, trapped, so. just kidding. <laughs> You're not from the European Union. Go to jail. Yeah. yeah. Go directly to jail. Do not collect our European pounds. Also, it's not euros. Euros, and it's not like a real jail. It's like an old Italian jail. So it's everything is made of cement, and it's dark and wet dark all the time. And wet. Uh, and it's on the coast, that so you have a view. That sounds gorgeous. It's amazing. It sounds like my Airbnb. We're gonna all ha- you're, everybody gets a little villa. <laughs> you just sit out here. You can see the you can see the um, Aegean Sea. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Mediterranean. <laughs> Aegean is for Greece. Right? Where's Perugia? You said Florence. Oh, Florence on the other side. No, it's not. That's Milan. I don't actually know where it is, but that's but all the Mediterranean. The, the Aegean Sea is just well, where the, all the part land. Of the Mediterranean, yes. No, listen, okay, because uh, uh, islands. Uh, okay. That's what it's all about, okay? Perusia. Because liar, liar, pants is fire. Proven- pants is fire. It's not even on the coast. I didn't say it was. Hmm. Perugia? Perugia. Perugia. Oh, yeah, I was wrong. Oh, Venice is on the other side. Perugia. Oh, Adriatic Sea, not Aegean. Where's the Aegean Sea? It's in Greece. You're in Greece. Yeah, it is. It's between Greece and Turkey. Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) I think I know things sometimes, okay? Let me be wrong about things. What? What's this? Uh, a boot. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a, a country. It's a boot. No, it's a <clears throat> red suede Louis Vuitton. Uh, four red, inch four heel. inch pump with a stiletto zipper. pump. <laughs> a zipper closure. The middle of the zipper's room. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's got some. Uh, what do they call those? Grommets. 
What is it? Grommets. Grommets. Like the thing that's on the top of the curtains. A hole? <laughs> yep. A hole with metal. A metal hole. A grommet. That's what they call my butthole. A grommet. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the episode, guys. <laughs> grommet. Grommet. Oh, I love that. Me too. Um, Tell our friends where they can find us, Chris. Oh my god, they can find us at rspoopypodcast.com. That's rspoopypodcast at facebook.com. We've got rspoopy at twitter.com and rspoop at facebook.com. But do you want to drop us a line? You can shoot us. You can shoot us an email at rspoopypodcast at gmail.com. And also, uh, while I'm at it, go ahead and give a uh, shout out to our sister podcast. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about gay stuff. So I popped in while they were recording their Thanksgiving episode. That's not going to come out until two weeks after Thanksgiving, um, because their time system is much more fucked up than ours is. Uh, but I love them. They're so sweet, and they'd like to talk about gay shit. So, if you want to learn some history, get out. Check it out. Check it out. Get on your phone, and then go over there and look. Um. Oh. What? I was going to say, uh, you should go review us as well if you have not done so already. You know what uh, my favorite shape is? Stars. Why? But only five of them. No more than five. No less than five. How many points does a star have? How many bones do I win? How many bones do I win? If I tell you. How many points does a star have? Five. Ten. One, two, three, four, five. That's not Six, a point. Seven. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It's Eight, an obtuse nine, angle. Ten. It's a point. No. Okay, no. how many angles does it have? Ten. Still. <laughs> of course, we'd like to thank our uh, sponsor, <laughs> Economy Works, a freelance talent network that connects professionals with what? Project, Project. work. If you're a company that needs help with writing job descriptions, conducting conducting marketing analysis, managing your social media platforms, EconomyWorks has an extensive talent network of freelance professionals ready to help you do more with less. EconomyWorks. When we work, the economy works! Find out more at economyworks.com. That's E-C-O-N-O-M-I-W-O-R-K-S.com. Um, when we have real sponsors, we're going to have to, like, actually get the commercials right. <laughs> yeah, we'll record them before we actually Which, start. I mean, he's a real sponsor, but, like, we know him. But, yeah. I mean, people who are, are not, uh, we're being paid to give their commercials properly. <laughs> we'll have to be like, um, let me tell you about this. I'm just going to tell them going in, this is what you're going to get. You're going okay? to get us making a joke about I'm going to make sex jokes about your business. Yeah, but we'll make sure to plug it, but we're still going to be inappropriate. Yeah. We'll say fuck. Maybe a couple times. Like, for every word? Yeah. Oh, fuck. What'd you say? Fuck, 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 There's their business. That was an advertisement for Blockbuster. Which makes sense because they're like, fuck, 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 fuck. We're closing. So I dictated that directly from the manager. Thank you, Blockbuster. You should go buy videos from Blockbuster. Oh, no. You have to rent them. You have to bring them back. You buy them. You can only, you rent them for the cost that it takes to buy them. Yes. 
No, I think they went down to like dollar rentals there at the end. <laughs> because they were just like, give us any money you've got. <laughs> the red box is killing us. Little did they know. Blockbuster was the one that moved. No, Ni- Blockbuster. N- Netflix. N- Nickelodeon. Netflix. Nipple flips. <laughs> Nipple flips. Titties. All right. That sounds like a good place to stop. That sounds perfect. Um, so should we maybe tell our listeners to get spooky with, with it? it? I like the upwards at the yeah. end. It's a question. We like, get spooky with what? it? 